I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. Hey there, Michelle Grosser here, your master coach. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. I am recording bright and early this morning because I'm actually jumping on a 9 a.m. flight to head to Phoenix today for Mom 2.0, which is a conference for women leaders in media. So I'm super pumped about that. I'll give you guys the scoop when I get back. Um, Amory is up early with me. She's actually sitting next to me here as I record and she's got a cough today. So if you guys hear her, that's what's going on. Um, but I've actually never been to Phoenix, so for those of you who who live there or you're familiar, please connect with me. Let me know where to eat. Um, but I'm going by myself, and I'm so excited. I'm sure you guys can relate because Mama needs a break. Mama needs a break. We live in Miami, and I'm actually going to be in Phoenix for three days, and then I fly from Phoenix to Dallas 
where I'm meeting Jeff and the girls um, in Dallas for a conference we're going to as a family. So Jeff is going to be doing all the parenting stuff early in the week, and then he's going to be flying just him and the girls from Miami to Dallas, um, and I'm not going to be here. So what I found myself doing last night was I was on like mom go mode. On mom go mode, I wanted to pack the girls' suitcases so that they would have everything that they liked and needed and like the underwear that they like and the shoes that they actually wear without complaining about or getting blisters and all these things, right? And I wanted to have that all packed before I left for Phoenix so that on Wednesday morning when Jeff leaves to the airport with the girls, he could just grab their suitcase as he heads out the door to the airport and and make sure that they have everything that they need, right? And then I found myself making a list of all the stuff that can't really be packed in advance, like the stuff he would have to pack separately on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning or whatever, like their toothbrushes and their little blankets or stuffed animals or whatever. And then at like 1am this morning, I'm finding that I'm like, oh man, do I need to make a list for the stuff they need to pack in their little backpacks for the airport so that they have snacks and coloring books and whatever, like stuff to do on the plane or stuff to do in Dallas when we're doing, you know, adult stuff and they're going to be bored. And then I caught myself <laughs> in this pattern of over-functioning, over-functioning. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about a little bit today, because here's the thing. Jeff is a fantastic partner. Like he is super equipped. He's an, he's an amazing dad. He's all over it. He's more than capable for getting these girls to Dallas with everything they need, right? Without my intervention. And I know this, like I know this in my logical brain, but there's still a pattern. There's still a part of me that wanted to prep everything for them. And that's what over-functioning is, right? It means that we take on these responsibilities. We take on, we can take on other things too. We could take on um, responsibility for the, for the well-being of others. You ever try to convince anyone to eat better or go see a doctor, right? That's a form of over-functioning. Um, we can take on the emotions of others. We're only doing as well as the people around us are doing. We can take on the needs of others and feel like we have to fill every single need, whether they're ours or not, right? We do this at home. We do this at work. And often we do it as a way of managing our own um, anxieties and insecurities. And as moms, I think it's it's probably safe to say that most, maybe all of us have experienced and maybe we even live within a range of overfunctioning, right? For some of us, it might just creep in once in a while like it did for me yesterday in wanting to pack and prep everything for the girls before I left. And for others of you, you might be functioning on an extreme level where you find you're doing everything for everyone in almost every area of your life. And it's just your way of being. You might not even be aware of it. So I want to take a sec today to talk about why we overfunction. And then I want to go through five ways um, some of them might be surprising to you, but five ways that you might be overfunctioning. So I kind of mentioned it before that we we tend to overfunction or manage everything as a way of trying to calm or soothe our own anxieties or insecurities. And that's what it is. Overfunctioning is really um, often a coping mechanism and it's a defense strategy, right? To try to control Maybe it's a fear that th- something will happen if we don't, if we're not the ones that do it, or it'll never get done, right? Or it's this scarcity mindset that there's not enough, so I've got to show up and I've got to do it. 
Um, or it's a people pleasing tendency, right? We're in a stress response and this is this fawn response, um, to make sure that we're showing up in the way that everyone expects us to or needs us to for fear that then, you know, they won't approve or we won't get the promotion or heaven forbid they have a comment or an idea about something not being done, um, perfectly. That's the space in which we're operating. Another reason why we can tend to overfunction is that it's actually a trauma response. And for some of you, you might, you know, I think every time I talk about trauma, I want to just reiterate that trauma is not necessarily what happens to us. Trauma is about what happens inside of us as a result of something that's going on around us. So trauma is very subjective, right? Something that might be traumatic to my nervous system might not even phase yours, right? And vice versa is also true. So so if we've experienced things in the past where we didn't show up in some certain way and something quote unquote bad happened, right? Then our nervous system is wired to make sure that doesn't happen again, right? To make sure that things go well this time, to make sure that the only way we can know that things aren't gonna fall apart is if we're involved and we're doing it. So it's just really, it's this, it's this deep attempt to control. And I talk about it quite a bit, but I talk about the fact that we are wired as human beings in our nervous system for two main necessities, right? We're required, we're, we're wired to be safe and seek security and we're wired to be loved and seek approval. And when either of those two are missing, what our nervous system does is it goes to the third option. I don't feel safe, right? Or I don't feel loved. So I'm going to attempt to control. And a lot of times when we find ourselves over-functioning, it's because subconsciously probably at some point in our past, our nervous system either felt unsafe, right? Or it felt unloved. And now, again, subconsciously, we're just holding on to this attempt to control to make sure that everything goes well. Another uh, reason why we might over function is because it might be part of our personality pattern. And you guys know I have, um, or if you don't know, I have a quiz all about personality patterns. There's a link to it in the show notes. And this is super fascinating, you guys. But if you find that you tend to get into a pattern of over functioning, you may have the compensated merging pattern. And what that means is that it probably started quite early in childhood, but you were likely a parentified child in the sense that you were responsible for something that your parents should have been responsible for, right? You were responsible for their health. You were responsible for their wellness. You were responsible for their safety. You were responsible for taking care of your siblings. You were responsible for showing up in a certain way, um, either as the overachiever or as the easy child or as the problem solver or whatever it was to make their lives easier. You had to be the responsible one because your parents weren't, right? So you took on these these um, roles of your of a caregiver, but you were the child. So the roles were reversed. And when that pattern happens in early childhood, it carries on. It carries on. So all of a sudden you're a 25-year-old, right? Dating someone who's severely under-functioning because you're so familiar with that pattern. You're the responsible one. You're the savior. You're the one who can, you're the fixer, right? You fix others. And if any of this is ringing a bell for you, or you're curious about what your personality pattern is, there's five of them. I would encourage you to take the quiz. 
click the link in the show notes and take the quiz because it's so interesting. And I talk about it a little bit. You'll see it in the landing page of the quiz. But what happens is that these personality patterns, they're not parts of our personality. It's not like, I don't know, the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs. Your personality pattern is actually these coping mechanisms you've picked up oftentimes during childhood that you've just operated in for so many years that now you just think it's a part of how you are, right? Oh, this is just a part of my personality. I'm just, you know, the overachiever. I'm just the the worry wart. I'm just, you know, whatever it is um, that you've taken on, that's actually not a part of who you are. It's actually a coping mechanism. So for a lot of us who can get stuck in this pattern of over-functioning, wherever it is on that spectrum or that range, it might be a result of some areas um, in your childhood where you were actually parentified and you were left to take on responsibilities that actually weren't appropriate for the child, right? They should have been carried by your caregiver. All right, so we talk about all of this, and I think sometimes when we are over-functioning, and specifically as moms, I think we're like trying to do the loving thing, right? I'm just trying to be helpful. I'm just trying to serve my family. I'm just trying to take care of them. It's my joy. It's my pleasure. It's my honor. But like anything else, right, when we function in an extreme, there's harm. There's harm. And you might be thinking like, yeah, I, I do everything in my house. Well, you know, what's the harm in that? And I think two, there's two main things that come to mind for me. There's probably others, but there's two main things that come to mind for me. One, we're stuck in a pattern of overfunctioning. So let's talk about how it impacts the people around us, right? Whether we're doing things for our children, whether we're overfunctioning for our partner, whether we're overfunctioning at work or maybe for still for our own parents or other family members, right? Is that we take on responsibilities that are not ours. We take on, we do things, right, that these people, particularly our children, but everyone else, partners, even our bosses, right, um, employees, things that they need to do for themselves. So we think we're doing the loving thing. We think we're helping, but we're actually taking away opportunities for our children in particular, right, to learn how to do these things themselves, to like, we're, we're actually enabling them in this story that they can't do it. They can't do it. And we also end up absolving them of responsibility, right? So we're doing, you know, they're 15 and we're doing all their laundry, right? And we're making their bed and choosing their clothes or they're 12 and we're like reminding them of their homework every single day, right? We're packing what they need for the game because heaven forbid they forget their cleats or whatever it is, right? We're solving everyone's problems. We're anticipating everything and we're removing all responsibility from them, right? We're removing any opportunity that they have to try to do things on their own, to experience the consequences of their actions. And we find that we're actually the main contributor of everyone in our house under-functioning to a certain extent. And that's a problem, right? And the same thing happens can happen in the workplace. Like if you're the leader in your workplace, but you're still doing all these admin tasks because you're not releasing them and you're over-functioning, it's a problem. If you're allowing your boss to schedule, I don't know, meetings at any time of the day and you're just showing up at at the drop of a hat whenever they need you and you raise your hand, always available to do more and do more and do more, you're stepping into a place where then those around you aren't, aren't, don't have to carry their own weight, right? And it's a problem. So then let's talk about what the consequences can be for us us as the over-functioners, right? When we're in a pattern of over-functioning, 
I mean, there's a lot that can come up, guys. We probably have pretty poor boundaries, maybe in some areas, maybe in all areas of our life. We might have a nervous system that's stuck in a stress response, right? Maybe it is a people-pleasing. Maybe it's that fawn response. Um, we can take on this role of martyr, especially in motherhood. I see this so often that moms do everything for everyone under the guise of this is how I show I love them, right? And then we run ourselves ragged straight into burnout. And then we start to get frustrated that no one helps out around the house, right? No one handles their own stuff. No one could could function without me. And it's because why would they? Why would they? Right? We've made it very clear that we will handle it. We'll carry the load. We'll pick up the burdens. And then that frustration that we do everything for everyone, if we're not careful, it turns into resentment, right? Or that that envy that our partner doesn't have to do all the stuff we do. They can just sit on the couch and watch the game after dinner while we clean up and get the kids bathed and put their pajamas on or whatever it is, right? When, when, when we feel that start to come up, it can turn to bitterness. So we just want to be really careful about the boundaries that we're setting and the ways in which over-functioning is impacting our bodies, our nervous systems, our mindsets, our relationships, all of it. So I always say this, but it's so important and it's so true and it applies to any time we want to make a change. Awareness precedes choice. Always. We cannot make a decision to do something differently if we don't even know, if we're not even aware that there's something going on that we want or need to change. So awareness always precedes choice. We can't intervene in a world we can't see. So I want to go over five signs. They might be surprising signs. They might be things that you do very frequently, but these are signs that you're probably in a pattern of over-functioning. Again, just so you can have the awareness. Oh, that's what I'm doing there. That's why I'm doing this, right? And then you can do something about it. You can catch yourself before or even while you're doing it or maybe even after, right? And then you're conscious of your pattern. So then you can consciously, right? You're aware of it. You can consciously decide what do you want to do, right? I'm in the middle of packing my suitcase, my kids' suitcases and all these things for them and writing all these notes for Jeff. Wow, I have the awareness that I'm doing this now. I can make a conscious decision. Do I want to actually continue to do this or is this a pattern of overfunctioning? And this is a good opportunity for me to step back and do something different and start to rewire, right, that neural pathway in my brain of how I show up in this overfunctioning pattern. Have you ever caught yourself wondering why you do the things you do? Like, why do you get so angry and yell at your kids when they're moving at a snail's pace in the morning? Or why is it so hard to relax when the house is a mess? If so, you've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Because here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And over time, those defenses became a habit, and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is really actually often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There's five different personality patterns, and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategy that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what's actually blocking who you are. And the good news is that once you take the quiz and you learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern 
and then live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality patterns quiz. So let's talk about each of these five signs. First, you don't ask for help. That's a telltale sign of overfunctioning. You are constantly living in a state of overwhelm. You're trying to do everything for everyone. And either you find that you don't have time to ask for help. Asking for help feels more overwhelming because you're going to have to explain what needs to be done to someone else. You don't ask for help because you have this narrative that it's a sign of weakness, right? That you can't handle everything. So you just try to do it all yourself. And asking for help looks like looks like so many different things, right? We can ask our partners directly, right, for help. We can ask our children for help without being passive aggressive in any way. We could ask a friend for help. We could hire help, right, in our businesses or in our homes. We could hire someone to come deep clean the house every couple weeks. We could hire someone to help run, you know, outsource some of the tasks that we don't need to be doing. Ask for help. Another pattern of overfunctioning is that we tend to absorb the emotions of others. And this is something that I have been growing in my awareness of and really working on personally is that I would notice that if, you know, I went to work back when I had a partner, if I went to work and my law partner was in a bad mood, oh man, it affected me. Or if someone around me was super sad, my children, my partner, um, if Jeff woke up and he was just like, yeah, woke up on the wrong side of the bed today not feeling it, just feeling kind of down and blah today. It affected me so deeply. I absorbed that so deeply. And I'm someone who, and maybe you resonate with this, but I'm someone who's hyper aware of everyone around me and how they're feeling and how they're doing and how, you know, I'm just, I'm just highly sensitive to that, making sure that everyone has what they need. Like if I'm hosting a dinner party, making sure that Everyone is involved in conversation and they know where the bathroom is and they have enough to eat or enough to drink. Like I absorb the emotions of others and we all do to a certain extent. But if you find that you do to a point where you're only doing as well as the people around you are doing or it becomes debilitating, it's probably a sign that you're over-functioning in that sense, that you feel this sense of responsibility for how the people around you are doing. All right, number three. Number three is what I call the chameleon. Um, I don't think I made that up, but it's it's this ability or this need that we feel to kind of shape shift depending on who we're around and what they expect of us, right? So we go to church on Sunday and we look one way and we present as one way and we speak one way, right? And then we go to happy hour on Tuesday night with our girlfriends and we look a different way and we say different things and we, you know, talk in a different way and we at show up at home and, you know, we, we change our opinions or our actions or the way that, that we just operate in a different way, right? And that's not bad. It's not necessarily fake, but it's just something to be aware of that we feel like we have this need to either hide parts of ourselves or bring forth different parts of ourselves in different environments. And the, the thing we want to be aware of is why we're doing that, right? Why am I doing that? Why when I, sh- why when my, I don't know, parents come to town, do I act this certain way that I don't act when they're not around? Why is that? Why Why when, you know, this friend is, is around, do I say these certain things or do I make sure that I mention these certain things, right? That's a pattern of over-functioning because what it is is that we're hyper-aware of what others 
think of us, right? Their perception. And we find the need to change parts of us, not authentically display or express because we want to make sure that they're okay, they're comfortable, they're approving of us. And that's a form of over-functioning. Number four, perfectionism. Perfectionism is a pattern of over-functioning, right? I've got to show up perfectly for everyone. Everything's got to go well. Heaven forbid something go wrong. Heaven forbid I make a mistake. You're probably really hard on yourself, right? I'm never good enough. I This is going to fail. Like whatever it is that's coming up for you that's holding you stuck and stagnant. If you find that you're stuck in patterns of perfectionism and parenting, keeping up your home, work, right? How we do one thing is how we do everything. That is a pattern of over-functioning. And the last one I want to talk about today, number five, and I think this probably (laughs) will hit a lot of us um, as moms, is constantly reminding everyone about everything, right? So how does this show up in motherhood? Reminding everyone, you know, you have a, don't, don't forget, you have a spelling test tomorrow. Did you do your practice words? You have a spelling test tomorrow, right? Reminding them of projects, reminding them of, um, uh, them about appointments. It can show up for your partners, right? Reminding them that they have a doctor's appointment when you've told them like 32 times. Um, reminding, let's say you manage people at work, reminding everyone about deadlines over and over and over instead of letting them self-manage, instead of delegating, right? So it's this need that we have to be responsible for people showing up, right? For things that they should be responsible for. And it's this attempt to intervene so that the shoe doesn't drop and, um, you know, things aren't missed. And it's this, this need for control because there's some felt sense of insecurity in our nervous system. And these are just, you know, five signs that I thought might show up for a lot of us. There's so many others. If you guys Google them, probably you might find more that you resonate with, but I think it's important that we go through these because again, awareness is key, right? That's what we're trying to do a lot in this podcast is just bring awareness to some of the ways in which we are living and functioning that's causing dysregulation in our nervous system, that's causing us to live in a state of stress that leads to burnout. Because once we have the awareness, right, it's not just that we operate on autopilot, we have this awareness now, oh, wow, catching myself, I'm over-functioning, right? Oh, wow, I'm catching myself, I'm doing everything for everyone. Then we can change our idea or our expectation around how things, and I do this in air quotes, how things should be, right? Or how they quote need to be or how they'll be if we don't step in and we can just release some of that control. Um, And I think that's just such an important step. So we want to have awareness for where we're over-functioning. Once we're conscious of it, we can make a conscious decision. Is this something I actually want to do? Because I am loving and serving my family. I am being a helpful, you know, member of this community. Is it because I am a great employee or manager or whatever it is? Or am I stuck in this pattern of over-functioning right now? That's, that's actually unhealthy. And I want to start to create a new pattern and I'm going to change and do something different about it this time. Okay. I hope this was helpful for you guys. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please, if you if enjoyed any other episode, scroll down, leave a five-star rating for the podcast. You could even leave a short review, maybe just your favorite part. So far, something you've listened to that's really landed for you or resonated with you. It would mean so much to me. It's the best way you can thank me for all of this content. It really helps to get the show out 
in front of other moms just like you um, so they can join our community, link arms, because we are all in this thing together, right? Um, and for this episode or any other one you listen to, man, if you could just take a screenshot, post it to your stories on Instagram, you could tag me at michellegrosser.coach. I will reshare it. Um, and I would just love to connect with you. Have a great day, you guys. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.